0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Inspire Club uh, by Inspiring Workplaces. Uh, our podcast is supported by Waggle. Uh, Waggle is an agile employee voice platform that measures and truly improves engagement. And as always, just thank you to them for their, their support throughout uh, what is an ongoing saga. Um, so to our guest, quickly, um, founder of Christmas Consulting, a beacon of positivity uh, and knowledge in HR for so many around the world. Uh, and I almost forgot actually, uh, she's also the co-founder of Inspire London, the London-focused community of inspiring workplaces. And our first gathering is going to be sometime socially distant and safe in September. So watch this space. But please welcome the one and only Kelly Swingler. How are you doing?
1: Um, I'm very, very well, how are you? Really, really excited to speak to you today.
0: Yeah, really excited. Um, known you for so long, um, and yeah, just really, really excited to to get stuck into this podcast. Really, so why don't we? Why don't we? Um, the first and only rule of Inspire Club, as as, as most people know now, um, isn't like Fight Club. So it's not to talk not to talk about Inspire Club because we want as many people as possible to know about this thing. Um, but it's actually to share a story of someone who's inspired you at work along the way and just giving kudos and why.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I I, I suppose, again, I've been thinking about this long and hard since you kind of asked me to be a guest on this and I could probably talk for an entire day about all of the people that have inspired me at work. I think there are genuinely so many, but I think one that really, really stuck with me was very, very early on in my career and it was a woman called Gail Powell and she was um staff and training manager when i first joined waitrose and she was involved in my entire recruitment process the endless assessment centers that i had to go through Uh, and then when i was appointed was really my kind of staff and training point of contact so she was my like you know my hr contract was really responsible for all of my training and what i I like and i think it was really her when i was kind of thinking right back to it it was her that really was part of that inspiration to start me off on my HR journey. So when I kind of started my career, initially it was in, you know, kind of retail management and I was then gonna specialize in an area at the end of a, a kind of two year program. And really from day one, from that assessment center, I knew that that was, it was the kind of, as Waitrose called it, the kind of staff and training route, so the HR route that I wanted to take based on her passion, her enthusiasm, her kindness, her knowledge, everything that I saw in her was totally different to everything that I had seen in kind of HR everywhere else that I'd kind of worked kind of part-time, very, very different to all of the stories that I heard about HR from all of my friends and family and colleagues and, and all of that sort of stuff. Gail was just that pinnacle of this is a really inspirational person that actually cares about people, wants to ensure that they are, you know, kind of developed and trained in the right way. And and so I suppose without Gail, I may never ever have started in, in the kind of HR space.
0: Wow. Well that's that's a big chord think that we never would have had Kelly Swingler of today without without Gail. That would have been oh, yeah. a huge loss. And just, <laughs> Do you, you in that with Gail or
1: No, she left um, the John Lewis Partnership, and I have been trying to track her down. So if anybody knows a Gail Powell that used to live, um, I think she was Sydney at way actually, um, but was kind of working for the head office down in Berkshire. If anybody knows Gail Powell, I would absolutely love to speak to her again. Is, is, is that the head office? That was in Bracknell? It is, yeah, Bracknell head office. Um, so she was working there. She had a regional role. And I do think from memory that she lived in Sydney. So if anybody knows Gail Powell... Who back in like late nineties used to work <laughs> for the wait for as part of the journalist partnership. I'd love to have a chat with her and say thank you.
0: Absolutely. So that everybody listening, Gail Powell, um, we're going to go on the hunt too because I think she needs to listen to this podcast because um, she needs to hear those words. I think that's amazing that she had such an impact on such another human being, and we and we thank her for being Kelly. So thank you. Um, what, so, so having met Gail and gone down the, the path you've gone down, you know, what's your what's your personal why? What drives you on a daily basis?
1: It's, it's absolutely to, to change the world of work. I think that that was the big driving force for me. And again, I think from, you know, that, those first kind of introductions with Gail and then going on through my career, I think the thing that really started to drive me back in the early days of my HR career was what I used to kind of... And I still still do talk about really, but it's kind of stopping this like Monday to Friday dying syndrome that so many people go through on a daily basis. So it's you know like start work on Monday, wish it wasn't Monday. Um, you know, it gets to Tuesday and kind of you know we've still got four days of the week left. Get to Wednesday and then kind of think oh like we've got three days left of the week. Uh, get to Thursday and actually realise we've only got two days left. So actually we better you know kind of knuckle down and get some work done. And then Friday. Uh, you know, kind of can't finish early because I've got to do all of the work that I've been procrastinating over a week because so I don't want to be here. Uh, and I, you know, and I think that was one of the biggest drivers, you know, I used all of my family, and I used to get it, you know, if i go to the hairdressers, the people in the chair sat next to me would be moaning to the hairdresser about their boss and what was happening at work and how awful it was. You'd go to the pub with friends and they'd be moaning about their boss or, you know, their partner's boss or their kid's boss, you know, just everybody kind of doing this moaning. And I genuinely believe that there had to be a better way to do this work thing that actually, if we could be inspired and motivated and be led in the right way and managed in the right way and developed in the right way, we would change the world of work. But ultimately, we would also change everything that goes on for us outside of work. So, you know, if we're miserable at work, actually, what impact is that having in our relationships and our families and, you know, everything that we choose to do? Whereas actually, if we were motivated and inspired and really looked forward to going to work and did work that we enjoyed the bigger impact of what that would be so so my why my driver as it has been for you know kind of over 20 years now and i know i only look 21 but um you know my my driver for that has been to change the world of work and to genuinely stop this monday to friday dying syndrome
0: it's it's so true and um yeah. and everybody's known it that it's it's such a big challenge to overcome we're basically going to try and change the way society operates and how we work when and people just want to focus on and understandably let's just fix work and make sure we're doing that 9 to 5 Monday to Friday and talk about something that we needed this this pandemic has just smacked everybody in the face in the sense of well, we can't ignore this. Actually, this work does impact outside of our our working hours, and and now it's impacting the CEOs, and they're at home, and they're around the dining table, and they're going. Actually, we're making this change, and a lot of them are hopefully not going to revert to type and say there's a, there's a better way. We can still, we can still extract performance, at, but make people happy. We can give them the flexibility, and and give them the the. the uh, the better lifestyle that they want you know so i'm hoping that happens have you moved to a four day week during this period Am I, have i got that
1: yes well not during this period Yes, yeah. so we started four day working back in tw- uh, january 2019 so we've been going four day working now since yeah two years so since january 2019 i would never ever go back to a five day week
0: never go back
1: no never ever
0: so, because uh, I'm a huge advocate of it, I, I remember, I've said this on the podcast before, about 20 years ago, in a job, I asked my boss if I could have every other Friday off or Monday off, as was at, taking up my, my leave in that way, 25 days, and it, they just laughed at me and said no, um, but I thought it would give me a better sense, better lifestyle. Um, any things any things to avoid transitioning to a four-day week for those thinking about it right now any any things you had to overcome or didn't think would happen I th- yeah oh, yeah I mean loads. I
1: think at the time we you know we were at a point in a business I really wanted to be able to give back to the team and of course we you know we were looking at you know do we give bonuses you know what what could pay rises look like all of those sorts of things and i think for a lot of that what and again you know you'll know from all of the research like bonuses don't necessarily do anything for us in terms of engagement or or you know or any of those sorts of things and there was some talk at the time about this four-day working and i had known lots of people and was you know was working within in kind of partnerships some people that were in corporate who were either working say nine day fortnights or condensed hours or lots and lots of different things and what i recognized within those people all of whom have now gone back to a full time working pattern was that although they were working these nine day fort- fortnights or condensed hours to allow them to take more time off with their families, they would then ended up working additional hours on top of the hours that they, that they were working to then end up getting the job done. So we made a decision very early on that we would actually close the business one day a week, to ensure that our people were not working on, on that day. Um, again, we looked at kind of stats and all of those sorts of things, and you know, spoke to the team, <clears throat> did a little bit of research. And I think initially we could have said, okay, so we'll close every Friday. But I think mentally, again, I, my, my concern was if we worked Monday to Thursday and everybody took a Friday off, we could still end up working on the Friday if we haven't finished everything that we needed to do Monday to Thursday. And there was something psychological there. But we made the decision to close on Mondays. I, at first, the team really welcomed it. But the biggest challenge, I think, for all of us was getting over a lot of the guilt because all of my team have come from corporate backgrounds. And in corporate backgrounds, you kill yourself 60 or 80 hours a week, work, work, work. And actually, if you're not killing yourself doing 60 hours a week, you're probably not working hard enough or you're not gonna be successful enough or you're not gonna get your promotion or you're not gonna get your pay rise or any of these sorts of things. And the biggest challenge for all of us, myself included, was letting go of that guilt and that feeling of I should be doing something today Maybe I could just check my emails, maybe I could just go onto social media, maybe I could just reach out to a few clients, maybe I could do all of this stuff because I want to feel you know, I want to feel like I'm doing something. And that was the biggest challenge for all of us within the team. Whereas I think at first time, I I kind of thought actually we're giving everybody like a gift of time, which actually many of us would, would say that we're really grateful for, but actually then when it comes to it, what do we do with that time? And that was the biggest challenge for lots of us. So some people then started doing volunteering stuff. Um, I was already doing some volunteering, so I moved some of that to Mondays, Um, but I, I found initially I was packing my Mondays with stuff so that I felt it was really productive. And even for me, it took me probably six or eight months to realize that I don't have to be filling the day. I can just have a day, and I can have a day to do what I want with, whether that's filling it or doing nothing. And that was the biggest challenge. And and I think, you know, again, for lots of people, I don't necessarily think four day working would work for, for everybody. And I don't necessarily think every organization could or should or would close their entire business for a day, but really, really speak to your people and help them with that transition, help them let go of some of that guilt, let them know that it's okay to not be working, let them know that it's okay to be looking after themselves. Um, and really push that you know this is your time
0: that, that could be a benefit that people choose you know that could be an option I I, I I love that it's so helpful I think for people listening in to hear what you went through because I when you're talking about guilt I had I, the word I went for was I'd probably be anxious and anxiety of not doing something <laughs> um. And um, because we're, we're, we're seriously looking at it, you know, we want to practice what we preach and, and, we, and we do as much as we can, but we're looking at the four day week in a really big way um, because I think all the benefits are clear really. So, and I'm really grateful for you to give, giving us an insight on in what, what you went through.
1: Yeah, no, totally, thank you. And I get, you know, I do think it's a big thing. We do follow the, I suppose if you like, the, the four day week principle. So it is 100% pay for 80% of the hours worked um and again i think from other people that i've spoken to i think there is the assumption that it's part time working or that it is condensed hours and it's none of those it is 100% pay for 80% of the contract for 80% hours worked and you know that that works for us that works for our
0: people and 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 you know not being not lying i i haven't heard anybody who's gone there and regretted it so far um, so, you know, and if, if there are people out there who have tried it and it's not been for them, please get in touch with me. Um, cause I'd like to know why, but so far, you know, people like Perry Timms have just gone and done it during lockdown and only so far great feedback. So, um, yeah, I'd love to love to hear from you. Um, so thank you so much. That wasn't one of our, our usual questions. Uh, I want to get back to a couple of them because I think people like to hear different contrasting people and their take at work. Um, What's the best advice you were ever given and who was it from?
1: Uh, Best advice I was ever given was from one of my bosses, a lady called Alison Soffokan, who told me to stop emailing out of work hours. Um, And she did so in a way. So I was, uh, I can remember one night I was preparing for a board meeting had got back from London quite late, wanted to make sure that I had all of the information ready for this board meeting the following day. 11 o'clock at night, I'm going through all of the papers, I'm making sure I'm absolutely fully prepared, and into my inbox came this email from Alison. And I responded immediately, and she immediately wrote back, So I'm not even going to read your response. Never, ever, ever reply to an email this late at night again. Because if you start to do it, just because I choose to work at this time of night doesn't mean that you do, but the expectation will be if people know that you email at all hours, people will start to email you at the time that is right for them and you may then feel that you have to respond so never ever ever reply and i responded you know really great advice alison thank you and she emailed me straight back to say you've just responded i told you not to stop it and i was like fine.
0: <laughs> has that stuck
1: yeah. And again, I think, you know, from a team perspective, from a client perspective, what I think is really, I, I mean, again, we work a four-day week. People now are familiar with that. So, we'll get messages from people on Monday. You know, I know you don't work Mondays, but I just wanted to let you have this. Or I know you don't work Mondays, but I wanted to make sure, you know, that you kind of had this for Tuesday morning or whatever. So, there is that kind of expectation. Within those four days, I and the rest of the team, we do tend to work quite flexibly. So, again, I may start work at six o'clock in the morning some nights and i may have some nights where i'm working until you know kind of six or you know six or seven o'clock that doesn't mean i expect any responses and i think again getting that message you know that's very clear with the clients that we work with that's very very clear across the team i absolutely do not expect an immediate response to emails i think if you're expecting an immediate response to something don't send an email would be my my kind of advice you know if you want an instant response for me email is is the worst way to do it like drop me a text drop me a whatsapp you know give me a phone call if i'm available i'll answer but just because you email me at a time that is right for you does not mean that i'm going to respond at the time that's right for you i will respond at the time that's right for me and yeah i think that was the that was the starting point for that journey so yeah
0: I, I'm hoping as a, as a society we're getting a bit better at that because I at one point, a couple of years ago, my out of office was on, you know, for, I was on, on holiday and people just didn't even observe the out of office. You know, I, I'd, I'd have an email come back and then I'd come back like three, three emails from this same person. And the last one was they were really angry. <laughs> I'm going... Have you moved my out of office? I'm not here, <laughs> and and they, and, it, and they were genuinely really upset.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think again, as you know, as, as the world of work changes and we do start to move to more flexible hours, and again, I think hopefully the last twelve months during this pandemic has also taught us. You know, we we may be reading to our kids. We may be out walking the dogs. We may be, you know, taking some downtime. Um, it might be, and again, you know, I've spoken to lots of people. Actually, it's easier for them to do a couple of hours pre the kids getting up in the morning, then be able to get the kids set up and ready for school. And that you know, so they're really kind of flex, flexing and tweaking their days. And I think... Sometimes we need to set that expectation. I know some of my clients, just like you said, there will, you know, within five minutes of somebody sending them an email, they've got another email or a text or a Slack or you know, whatever communication challenge. But you know, I've just sent you an email and you haven't responded. You know, it's like you know, come on, we've, we've got to get better at better at this.
0: We do, we do, and and I'm all for people being given the flexible blocks of time now. Um, it's all about productivity. So if you if you work better between six and two, and that's the hours you want to work, then go for it. You know, if I if I don't get what I really need to get done that day done before nine AM, it's not going to get done, and then I start getting all anxious and you know irritable, and I'm a hoot, I'm I'm basically. Um, uh, so, so, what, what, I'm not, so anyway, what, what do you think the most important quality in a leader is? from your perspective?
1: Uh, honesty, I think, is is a big one for me. Um, I think that's honesty in terms of your listening, honesty in terms of the way you communicate, honesty in terms of your actions. Um, I just think, for me, it's, it's, it's honesty. You know, if you don't know something, say it. Um, if you don't agree with something, say it. Um, if you do agree with something, say it. If you want to give somebody praise, say it. Um, And I just, I think honesty, it's it's really important to me in terms of my own values. It's something that I value very, very much in other people. And I think the more honest our leaders can be, the more open and honest the communications are that we can have with them. I think it's, you know, fundamental to building trust um, and really fundamental to everything that underpins then in, in our organizations and our work. You know, I think it's critical in terms of the culture that we create the behaviours, the work, um, all of the, you know, kind of communication, the way in which we're rewarded, developed, everything. I think, you know, for me, honesty just kind of sits at, at, at the core of everything.
0: Ah, uh, I love it. Absolutely love it. And uh, I almost think you've got a, a, a little slogan there, just say it. I think I think um, that's, a, that's a great... Great principle to, to live by. And you know, fl- fl- flicking that round.
1: I may stick it on my website, but...
0: <laughs> trademark that now. Yeah, trademark, um, yes. But um um I was I was thinking that from the other way around, I've always said that excuse my language, but you know, honestly, but no no bullshit. Um it it's it simplifies life. You know, if you're open and honest with people, then life just gets so much easier.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> um, absolutely.
0: So I, I, I love that, and I, I th- th- fundamentally agree with you. Um, so let's um, – well, one, one, one last work-based question, then we'll get to, to the more personal stuff. Um, what's your go-to productivity trick?
1: Oh, time blocking my diary, definitely. Blo- blocking out my diary. So – i literally if uh, I, and i said this somebody other day, like if it's if it's if it's in the diary it's done mm. if it's not in the diary it's probably not going to happen because again like you you know i kind of everything changes so if it's in the diary it's done is is kind of my i suppose my mantra really um and So, literally, I have block times for everything. So, I have block times for my yoga in the mornings. I have block times for the times that I eat throughout the day. I have block times for when I walk the dog. I have time blocked out for clients. I have time blocked out for these sorts of conversations. I have time blocked out for like new business calls and, you know, client calls and... Again, what you were saying there, you know, if somebody's most productive between say six and two, my diary really is is blocked out based on when I am at my most productive, when I am at my most communicative, you know, when am I, you know, the times that I'm able to have these sorts of conversations throughout throughout the day. Um, you know, my writing is usually first thing in the morning. That's one of my kind of you know quiet activities. Um, and so block, you know, block timing that. If it's in the diary, I stick to it. I do also allow time for flexibility. So I allow time for the ad hoc stuff. I allow time for maybe some of the stuff that isn't in the diary and actually really, really needs to get done. Um, but I make sure that I've, I've got that blocked. And if it's in my diary, then I will absolutely make sure it gets done.
0: Fantastic, a big big fan of it uh, myself. That's that's my that's my go to trick. I'm just not brilliant at it yet. Uh, you know it it really helps me, but I'm 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 just not haven't perfected it yet. So I'm, I'm working on it.
1: Well, and again, like, everything is. You know, I think everything is for me. Everything is practice. I don't think we necessarily have to get it right first time, and I think we can grow and develop it. Um, I tried it years and years ago, and it didn't work at all. And then actually I found a different way of doing it for myself that really worked. And then I've been able to, you know, to kind of to kind of get back into it. So, I, you know, for me, it's all practice. It's all practice.
0: Love it. I love it. Um, so uh, flicking the switch to the other, the other side uh, when we're not working. Um, a few, few quick, quick questions. Um, if you're a teacher, uh, what would you teach?
1: Oh, Well-being. I think mental well-being, mental and physical well-being.
0: Awesome, fantastic. I might need might need your help there on the physical side of things because I've let myself go big time in the package, So um, that's my one goal this year.
1: Yeah, we all have some extent. Let it let it happen. We'll all get back on track.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's the goal by the Christmas. I'm giving myself a long time to get back in shape. Um, Early bird, I think I, I think I might know the answer to this one, but early bird or night owl?
1: Yeah, early bird for sure. I, You know, if I'm up between kind of five and six, it's a good day. There are some mornings where I think, you know, the alarm will get turned off and I'm up between, you know, say seven. Um, my days are just totally different. And I think any time, you know, and that's not to say I definitely have – sometimes and definitely during kind of 2020 with the whole kind of lockdown thing and netflix binges if i'm you know if i'm really engrossed in something i can sit and just watch and watch and watch and watch but i am not at my best the next day so you know for me i have a really kind of strict nighttime routine if you like to make sure that i'm prepared ready for my sleep good night sleep and then i can you know I'm, i'm kind of firing on all cylinders the following day
0: yeah, I, I, it's, it's been brought into stark focus. I always, always knew that lockdown sleep is the number one priority. <laughs> that if that, if that's not, if, if that's not in tune, I'm fully out of whack.
1: And we all, are, we all are, and I think we underestimate just imp- how important sleep is for us.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree totally. Um so this is a really hard question so I'm not going to hold you to it but your favorite album and then your go-to song if you just need to fire yourself up for work or yoga or whatever it might okay, be
1: uh, go-to song would, um, d- depending on who's listening, um, it may need that explicit advisory that we used to get across all the front of our uh, CD covers in the nineties. <laughs> uh, so, um, ex- explicit advisory. My go-to song would absolutely be "Hustle" by Pink.
0: Oh, uh, awesome! Yeah.
1: My favorite album. Again, I think this really—I was—I was really struggling with this one because I think it very much depends on my mood, but. If I really sit and think about it, it would absolutely be Madonna's Immaculate Collection.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I unashamedly love that album. (laughs) (laughs) So good, Express Yourself.
1: I was watching uh, last week, My uh, one of my sons, uh, bless him, has been uh, working from home with his mother throughout the whole of lockdown, but we have been getting into some quiz shows together, and the only round that I have been able to answer in full on Pointless which I think was last week or the week before, was, um, it was Immaculate Collection songs, but they'd replaced all of the vowels with M's for Madonna. And I, that was the only round that I've ever got 100% right. on, on any of the songs, and I was so proud of myself. <laughs>
0: Fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Now that, that, that's an album, I, 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 I know every track, that's my mum's favourite album. Yeah, and, yeah, I, just, I grew up on that, so. It's brilliant. Yeah, so good, so, so good. Um, what's the funniest thing that's happened to you recently that you can share?
1: Oh, I don't, I don't know. And, uh, cause again, I was kind of racking my brains with this one and I really cannot remember what it was but I do remember kind of last week just laughing hysterically at something that I had said to my, uh, like to my son and my (laughs) my partner and his kids. Um, And it just, I was at the, uh, you know, I was kind of laughing for almost an hour at whatever it was, And it was something ridiculous that I said. So I can't remember the thing. I think it's one of those, you know, um, like you can't always remember what somebody said, but you can remember how it made you feel. And it was one of those type moments. I I found it really hilarious, but I couldn't actually tell you what it was.
0: I I love the fact that it's you who made you laugh as well. (laughs) It was brilliant. brilliant. Um, Which is (laughs) always good. Um, Favorite film that you can just turn on and watch?
1: oh again like there are so many and I really do think that depends on my moods and also who I'm watching with so if I'm with my sons that could be like anything Star Wars related that could be any of the kind of Marvel films um it could be like Shawshank Redemption it could be Green Mile it could be any of the kind of Disney films so I I think in terms of films that really does depend on move I think on my mood I think we're having a bit of a Um, kind of rehash and we have been doing sort of since Christmas over kind of Guy Ritchie films and Quentin Tarantino films because my oldest stepson hasn't seen a few of those so so we're going through some of what I would deem to be you know classic films of of my teens really Um, but yeah I think it it, it depends on the mood and who I'm watching it with but I can do anything from kind of rom-com to kind of cult classics to action to anything.
0: Well, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot now, then, and say, what's your favourite Tarantino? Oh, favourite
1: Tarantino! I've got
0: to go Pulp Fiction. Well, yeah, that's an absolute classic, isn't it? But um, yeah, I, 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 I can't afford any of them, but I'm Kill Bill. Kill,
1: but then, Kill Bill one or Kill Bill two?
0: Kill Bill one. I just okay. I, I remember it, I missed it at the cinema, and I I got it on DVD, and I thought, you know, it's nothing. Nothing is ever as good as Pulp Fiction. And I was just blown away by it. I went, This is so out there. (laughs) Just so crazy.
1: And then you watch the second one, don't you? And it's like that's from a completely different director in a completely different time zone and like two completely unrelated films. And you're like, What's happened here? It's brilliant. Yeah. Very, very clever.
0: It's it's fantastic. Hi May, yeah, I could, yeah. So I've actually, funnily enough, started doing all the Tarantino films over the, about a week ago. So um, yeah, funny we're both doing that. Um, so a couple of questions, and and then then sadly we're we're done. Um, best place in the world you've ever visited?
1: Oh, India! Absolutely love India.
0: Awesome. Anywhere in particular in India that you just you know you miss? You'd be there now if you could be
1: um yeah oh, just i think Rish, rishikesh or kerala um i think just the vibrancy of it i think the total polarities of it you know you've got if, just everything there is a total polarity you know you've got the the kind of the firmness of the mountains and the kind of stature of the mountains with the flow of the river you've got the noise on the kind of streets with the silence in the ashrams you've got the color and then you've got the dullness you've got the cleanliness and then you've kind of you know you've got the dirt you've got just everything about it is just total like everything in total opposites right in front of you but I think you can also like for me you can just find the most incredible kind of moments of peace and tranquility and just see every kind of walk and aspect of kind of humanity and human life that is possible in this tiny place just loved it absolutely loved
0: it Kelly you you have a skill at being able to paint a picture with your words and um I I I want to go now I I, I am going to ask you uh exact location for that because um we're trying to book some trips now because it's been so long without them but um yeah that that's that's absolutely wonderful um
1: well, i've got places i can recommend absolutely oh
0: well I, i'll be asking <laughs> <laughs> um and, and the last last question and also a staple of the podcast is who should we go try and get on as a guest on the inspire club who, who would you recommend
1: I've got to recommend probably my really good friend, Laura Mazzullo, who um, she and I do alternate uh, YouTube lives together um, every every other Tuesday. Um, her passion and enthusiasm for everything that she is trying to change in kind of talent management and, and recruitment is just absolutely out of this world. She is full of compassion. Um, absolutely focused on, you know, kind of well-being of, of HR, the, the entire HR community, really. And she's she's absolutely one of my favourite people. So I've, I've absolutely got to recommend Laura. Um, and if you want someone outside of my immediate network, uh, if you can get Brené Brown, I'll love you forever.
0: Well, never say never. You know, no, I, 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 yeah. you. no nothing's too. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm, I'm after a, a couple of other really awesome people, um, like Francis Frey. I've you know fingers crossed. Who's awesome from Harvard? But Brené Brown. Okay, that's challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. <laughs> no, um, and, 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 and maybe give Laura a heads up that she might be getting a cheeky little LinkedIn email from me at some stage as well. Um, I'll
1: drop her a message when
0: we're finished awesome well look kelly thank you so much um it's an honor to be able to have this conversation with you Uh, i'm sure everybody's absolutely loved it and i can't wait to work closer with you in the in the coming weeks months and years so take care of yourself yeah i'm really
1: excited thanks matt it's been a pleasure
0: talking to you take care of yourself and stay safe